0: All right, continue.
1: All right. All right, guys, welcome to the UK Sangha. We were just talking about uh, malicious gossip and uh, how prevalent um, and how persistent and how fundamental to uh, normal social circles um, to partake in uh, this activity is like from um, most people can relate to this from a very very early age. Um, if you hang you're hanging around in a group of people, um, you're trying to be a part of it. And the main thing that people are talking about is what are they talking about? other kids, oh, that weird kid, isn't that so funny? How weird he is? And look how stupid that guy is. And then, ha, 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 that'll make me feel better about myself. Um, so, yeah, this habit is developed as a kind of defense mechanism to put others down or the opposite happens where, um, you become extremely self-conscious and you start putting yourself down in your own mind. So both of these, um, come from, uh, uh hindrances, first of all, but, uh, lack of wholeness. So it's unwholesome. So if you're... Uh, if something is unwholesome it's going to seek retribution or seek becoming whole through um, through uh incorrect ways so uh wrong through wrong views through wrong speech through wrong all of that yes beta
2: is um <clears throat> is uh, every one of you, no, not every one of you is, is uh, uh, American origin, right?
1: hmm Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, because you said it in a way with with a very, very narrow focus on the destination and the way uh, you, you ex- explained this experience of people bonding in this particular age group uh, through excluding people right basically right this I mean I see I can relate to this in a, in a, in a way at the same time, from my experience as a German, it's like there is always this and this is this is with with all all those themes I, I see this i mean we are we are trying to close a duality with with practicing this this method uh, always between something that is wisdom based in the best sense uh, and something that is uh, uh, mundane but people also don't really don't really think about those those things those things. and the the grown-ups around those kids, uh, they are exactly as lost, I would say, mm-hmm. uh, as as those kids. So in Germany, I saw those things mostly happen behind uh, let's say, how do you say this like behind closed curtains. So in the front, everything is effective everything is wonderful the society is uh, keeping their obligations up and so on everybody is <laughs> acting like nothing is happening and behind closed doors people are desperate and i don't know hit their kids or something or whatever
0: so if they maintain if you, the level of ordinary right view at the level of the world Yeah, free from the wrong view of breaking the laws and all of that. Even if they think they're doing the right
2: thing, you know, they're mostly completely in the
0: dark. And they're not doing things because they analyze them and think they're wise. They're doing them because they were told to or taught to, either implicitly or explicitly, since they were a child.
1: Yeah, you just you just uh, gather some habits based off uh, the conditionings. The conditions of your surroundings. so no one's at fault here it's just a set of causes and conditions exactly. but yeah that you're right veda the uh, it does happen at uh, different levels it happens at, like uh from middle school cliques to all the way to um um i don't know the school to co- different colleges to to um, the area you live in you can see this a lot with uh with gangs and stuff like that Uh, being an exaggerated example like i'm from here you're not from here um yeah so all the way to your political affiliate affiliation to the country you live in to your race to your social class every every single uh one of these aspects uh pertains to that um mode of of uh of uh excluding others to um create a stronger sense of self-worth or selfhood um which is just uh a product of uh, delusion yeah. um um the construct kind. but uh anyways like how to come out of these habits is uh um, very rewarding if you do, first of all, um, because it just feels like playing wholesome. Like, when you think in a wholesome way, you feel in a wholesome way. So if you just start, if you just stop um, uh, thinking through things through a judgmental lens, uh, you just feel a lot more easygoing. And you feel a lot more inclusive and like chances are like um you're gonna make you're gonna like you're gonna make more wholesome friendships that way as well and maybe even teach the dhamma by the way that you are so like every social interaction is an opportunity to um practice the dhamma and by practicing the dhamma uh, and inadvertently, you teach the Dhamma.
2: That's a good side uh, point. The way you are. Not not something artificial.
1: Yeah, not not like what, not talking about like, oh, here, here's how you do this method, and here's the stages of insight, and here's here's how you get... Where did on I hear and, that? And here's how you get into 1st Jhana, 2nd Jhana. Like, all that stuff is like technical stuff, but uh, the meets... I mean, the, the, the heart of it is, um, just how you react and how you respond to things and then trying to, and then just keeping, uh, an uplifted sense of joy, even when, you know, like I, we've talked about this in past sangha calls, like there's those people that you walk by that, uh, they're going to have just like a terrible look at you on their face. And they're going to look at you and like, um, in a mean way, they're not going to want to say hi. They're going to be like. Because they' they're just like wrapped up in their hindrances, so you have one of two choices. You can keep smiling, <laughs> you can keep an uplifted sense of joy and maybe even potentially um, spark a f- smile in their face and a good reaction from them. or you can let the, um, you could let the input of that data um, create a hindrance in you as a reactionary mechanism. So like, Oh, who's this guy with this look on his face? Like, fuck this guy. Like,
0: that's a really good point. And yeah. that's, uh, <laughs> something that we, a point to be made about it is it's not that the, the guy, the actual face that he's making that results in the negative response in us. It's the process of, we see the negative face. Right. And then we, create some story about the face that he is disliking me and I am lesser. And then maybe some, some conditioning from when we are young of uh, remembering when people were disapproving of us and not feeling loved. And then we feel that same feeling then and there. And it happens very quick in the mind. And so it is nothing personal and it could never be that. Even if this guy is mad at you, he's mad at some representation of you he's built up in his own mind and if you don't even know who you are how is he going to know who you are
1: yeah so like that whole process happens very quickly in the mind and uh, the skill that we're developing is um seeing how that functions seeing how that works so how does this mechanism work how does dukkha arise like this is effective practice is, uh, not, um, prevent, not necessarily never experiencing dukkha, but understanding the mechanism more, more in depth the next time it happens. So you walk by someone, they have a bad look on their face. Um, you're all happy. And then you get, you get a bad taste in your mouth because you feel a sense of rejection as a as a response to some past experience where you've been rejected when the situation is completely brand new and they, it has nothing to do with that it's like oh maybe that, that guy's having a bad day okay all right i'm gonna keep being happy like what yes. is that like what i is was that? watching
0: uh a veritasium video yesterday about skill development and uh it's helpful to look at practice in the lens of skill development because what we really are is just learning a skill. And a lot of people talk about meditation as some woo woo enlightenment, <sighs> um, but those concepts are really far out there. And we can look at it as just another skill. We're learning a skill, uh, the skill of learning to be happy, the skill of identifying dukkha and learning dukkha completely so we don't mistakenly dukkha anymore. Um, and he, so he outlines four steps. Uh, in the process of learning a skill, uh, one repeated attempts with feedback or receiving p- feedback. We try the skill, right? You hit the tennis ball over the net. Does it go over or does it not? Does it, did the player hit it back or do they not?
2: Perseverance.
0: The two, two would be a valid environment, right? Um, are the, is the data we're getting, for example, a stock trader, does it actually mean anything or is it just random? If he infers, oh, I traded when it when the stock dropped yesterday, uh, and then he comes up with some reason for that, is that reason that he comes up with representative of the actual reason that thing happened?
1: Right, or is it superstitious?
0: Or right. if it, if it's just superstitious, he's not actually developing a skill.
1: Right,
0: and then timely feedback, we're getting immediate feedback. The dhamma is immediate. We practice and we see what happens uh, here and now. Uh, is Dukkha gone or is Dukkha not gone? Am I still dissatisfied? And uh, four would be not getting too comfortable um, that that we continue to practice and continue to look and there's never a point where we just stop looking and go back to sleep, that we're developing the habit of waking up and waking up and waking up. Um, So what you were saying, uh, uh, I think is helpful to look at in the sense of um, repeated feedback. Uh, that a lot of people will uh, become scholars of Buddhism uh, and learn about enlightenment and learn about all this stuff, but they never actually get the feedback of it. They never actually get in the cushion and try, does this skill work or does this skill not work? And uh, if, if it doesn't, maybe I acquire some more information and play around some more, and then I try it again. How did you phrase the second? The second would be... Uh, a valid environment uh, that ah, yeah. is there some regularity in the results I'm getting that are from some probably some other reasoning or some other pattern that I'm learning about and but uh, this is
2: true for every step right this is true for for everything and anything if you uh, even if you I mean mostly for people if they hit the plateau right if they if they go in their learning curve their er to their first uh, real success then oh yeah i did it now i'm enlightened or something like this and uh, well no real confidence anymore no real enthusiasm anymore motivation anymore and so on because it's getting i mean it's not really getting harder this is just the concept too so yeah it's 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 kind of a reevaluation of of what you're why you're doing
0: what you're doing and continuing to reevaluate and continuing yeah. to reevaluate that
1: yeah. again uh, and again right so dukkha is a very repetitive process and the way that it starts there can, <laughs> it, there can be varying uh um qualities or aspects to it but the fundamental process of going from satisfied to dukkha is the same process every time at its core this with the same with the same root factors so it may be um and so like the problem is most people after they're already experiencing dukkha they will come up with uh, superstition or some kind of hypothesis of why they're experiencing dukkha instead of being aware and being there for it when it happened, as it happened. So this is the skill that we're developing of uh, developing a a keen awareness of things. So um, it's kind of like uh, a skilled hunter walking in the forest and you're in the mode that you can hear a twig crunch in the leaves 20 yards away. And what's the type of mind state you have to have to like have a 360 awareness of that? Because you can see the formations of dukkha arise if you're paying attention. And you can see how it, it develops. Um, and this is a very um Uh, this skill is it's not that we become we become more and more comfortable with doing this and not 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 we become satisfied and then we become um, complacent with that we become satisfied and then we we find it easier and easier to have this type of awareness and pay attention so it's like um again um with with attain hey robert attainments and everything it's more like developing abilities that you can continue to use rather than crossing a threshold and then not having to use those abilities anymore so uh, many people think that um at a certain point of meditation they will become a certain level of enlightened and then they won't have to use their abilities that got them into a wholesome state to begin with anymore Uh. and then they find themselves dissatisfied because they're not practicing correctly and And then again into entropy so they decline their skills decline
0: and this is something we can look at uh, because this is just a sc- skill. It's a very noble skill, but we can look at it with the perspective of other skills, other ordinary skills. Um, that uh, medical doctors. The doctors who come in immediately after med school are highly no- knowledgeable of medicine, highly knowledgeable of how to treat patients. And But as time progresses, it it's spends longer and longer since they've been in medical school. Their uh, their memory of what's in med- what they learned in med- medical school is just that of what it was in medical school. And the field has continued to progress and continue to progress. Um, and so when they're 50 or 60 and they're still a doctor, their skills are gonna be a lot less than the young medical student who's just started in the field and just started being a doctor. And so we can take this as a lesson that if we were that medical doctor that we have the intention to keep looking and keep learning and keep investigating that uh that although the skill becomes automatic uh in one sense in the sense that the effort is less that doesn't mean that no effort is required like scott's saying and i think it's a really good point
1: that's it go ahead another thing i'd like to Uh, make an analogy for is uh i don't know if anyone's ever snowboarded before but uh in the beginning when you first uh snowboard it takes a lot of effort because you're breaking every turn you have to break slow down so your your legs are tensed the whole time and by the end of it you're very very sore but the better and better you get at snowboarding you're just gonna oh i'm gonna throw a carve here carve there but for the most part i'm standing up just don't so uh meditation is similar at the first you're going to have to be ooh, there's an unwholesome thought unwholesome thought hindrance 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 you're going to be putting in seemingly a lot of effort for these hindrances that are arising until it's like wholesome 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 there's a hindrance throw it out wholesome wholesome there's another hindrance throw it out and uh so, these things um because of your uh, correct practice, um the effort becomes more streamlined um and then it become it, it's more like you're just um playing music and just going on a solo like a like you become a virtuoso and now you're just uh, having fun with it. So that's the kind of the difference, uh, yeah, Robert questions <laughs> yeah um do you guys have any advice for dealing with social anxiety oh yeah so like anxiety is like a hindrance so like the the way that you deal with social anxiety is by taking the social out of it and realizing that you just have anxiety it doesn't matter what the cause is you have <laughs> the problem is restlessness and worry which is a hindrance and uh, these uh, come from um, an unwholesome thought, or, a, or in another way of saying it, incorrect perception. So, um, the first step for the origination of dukkha is a delusion about the way things are. So, uh, anxiety arises because you weren't paying attention. So, the first step is to, now that you have anxiety, change your diaper, throw it out. I don't need to be <laughs> feeling anxiety. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with this moment. That was all a fabrication of my mind that was making me feel a way that I don't wanna feel. So I throw it out, I glide in the mind, and then now I pay attention. How does this anxiety arise? It arose from a stream of of, of mental formation um, that were deluded about the fact of the matter. So you had some self-reflecting thoughts that were constructed out of a social situation that were giving you a hindrance. But really there is no social sense. There is no social situation, there there are phenomenal experiences arising in a way and we need to pay attention um, to see how. these experiences operate in our visceral experience and how dukkha arises. Um, the reason why we pay attention how dukkha arises is so we can learn how dukkha um, has a cessation or how dukkha ends. So this is the sim- beautiful simplicity of the teaching of the Buddha. It's not about, oh, how do I? How, how do I get back my ex-girlfriend or how do I become more charismatic in a social situation no social anxiety isn't the problem and anxiety is the problem Ex- okay so, so like you need to simplify things into okay there's all these different labels I can give to dukkha but at the end of the day it's just dukkha it's just dissatisfaction we can call it social anxiety we can call it uh, uh, a whole range of different categories and uh um symptoms that dukkha can cause but the root of it is dissatisfaction so dissatisfaction when uh, dissatisfied all the time becomes mental illness and then you can call the mental illness Um, different things based off what symptom it exhibits. But the problem, whether you're a well-adjusted millionaire with tons of friends, Mm -hmm. is you're still satisfied, or if you're um, in a mental, in a psych ward because you had a schizophrenic breakdown, you're dissatisfied. The problem is the same as dissatisfaction. And the teachings of the Buddha has a beautiful simplicity to actually solving the problem of what's actually going on here is that there is dissatisfaction. That's the first step is to realize it's just being dissatisfied. So not being satisfied with the way it is right now, wanting other things. Um, So there is dissatisfaction and there is a cause to dissatisfaction, which is the process of dependent origination. So how do these things arise? They don't come from nowhere. They don't, like superstitious thinking would think it comes from some kind of, it comes from the stars, right? Oh, it's because I'm a Gemini <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like we come up with all these magical thinkings and you can create a whole theory about it, about like that's what astrology is or, or karma. Oh, I, in 500 lifetimes ago, I was a bad boy. So now I'm experiencing something bad. No in this moment the way you perceive things cause dukkha to arise in you so it's not a magical thing of making up all these different reasons or even th- even something that you think is more realistic is still helpful. like you think oh i have dukkha because this person called me a mean name or i was rejected from a social circle that's why I have no that's not why you have dukkha because that could still it's how you what happened um so always there is there is dukkha there's a origination of dukkha there's an end to dukkha um that comes from um practicing the dhamma and then there's a way leading to the end of dukkha which is practicing the dhamma um and then you might have experienced uh one three I'm sorry, Robert, can you mute your your thing? I'm, I'm at the function right now. it like hiding in the bathrooms to take this calls. That's why okay. <laughs> it's free jokes. So. J- just mute it until you talk. Um, okay. And so um, people will experience one and three. So they'll experience dukkha, and then they'll experience moments of relief. And then they make up reasons uh, about two and four. So they'll make up a reason why this they <laughs> they'll make up a reason that's not true of why they're experiencing dukkha, and they'll make up a reason. Oh, this girl texted me, or I got an Instagram notification. That's why I stopped experiencing dukkha. They make up a reason, but no, those aren't in reality actually what happened to stop experiencing dukkha and experiencing dukkha. So the the teaching of the Buddha is very scientific and uh methodological so we're viewing things and we're deconstructing it and seeing how it builds and how it functions so it's like becoming a in it's like an inner engineer so how does an engineer learn and how does the engineer it engineer
0: work that's a perfect example because right. engineers don't care about why they don't uh they don't care about why does this do this why does the derivative of whatever whatever they care about how and how does this work and does this work enough to get this machine going does this work enough to get this program running
1: right and then another example we can use is that um uh there is a way of learning how something is functioning by uh by taking it apart so um this will this will happen in the military When uh, an enemy country gets a hold of some piece of technology, they can reverse engineer it by deconstructing it and seeing what it's made of and how it functions in that way. Made in China. The the way that we practice when we already have dukkha is in a reverse engineer direction. So we deconstruct how the dukkha arose and we look at all the signs and the footprints and the writing on the writings on the wall in our experience of why this arose, of how you're thinking about things. What's the content of my minds? What's the, is it wholesome or unwholesome? So we can reverse engineer it that way. And then uh, then we'll gain insight into how it arose. And then the opposite, when we are satisfied, uh, even more effective of understanding dependent origination of how dukkha arises, is being there for it when it's constructive, constructed. So that's much easier than reverse engineering. It's easier to watch someone build something and then copy that than it is to ha- take something that's already built and deconstruct it and try to rebuild it. But both are possible. So this is um, the skills that we're developing um, at any given moment, whether we're experiencing dukkha or not experiencing dukkha. And then we might be experiencing dukkha, uh, not experiencing dukkha very quickly, back and forth. And then that's, that's probably one of the best opportunities to get a handle, understanding of these things. When you're satisfied, oh, you get a little worried about something, you get a little anxious, you'd be like, oh, there it is again. I see you, Mara. And then you go back to sat- satisf- <laughs> satisfaction. And you come in and out of it very quickly. And then you you start to it starts to become uh, more obvious and more clear um, what is causing what and what condition is creating what effect. Um, so I'm talking about this. I'm I'm um, talking about this all in the theoretical sense, but this is uh, come and see for yourself type of practice. So yes, and like you were using
0: yeah. the analogy of snowboarding earlier. Right. At first, when you're snowboarding, you have no idea what to do. You're falling down a mountain. You have no idea how to balance yourself. You have no idea how to place your legs in the right way
1: uh-huh. or
0: turn the snowboard. And you're
1: so you're going to fall
0: on your ass. Your ass. Yeah. And
1: same with you,
0: you're going to fall on your ass. You've been falling on your ass your whole life. So why not start now learning how to balance, right. learning how to get your uh, get your balance uh-huh. and right. And so. Oftentimes people look at, this happens with any skill. You can see the Western mindset very clearly here that whether it's snowboarding or meditation, people want to will want to go down the highest mountain immediately. But that's not a way to develop the skill. To develop the skill, we want to uh, start with the fundamentals. Start with what's happening right now. Start with getting balanced. Start with uh, not falling on your ass. Mm-hmm. And we do that right now we see okay I'm going to try and be a little more balanced I'm going to try and bend my knees instead of blocking them out completely right and see if that works and if that works we develop that as a skill I'm not a snowboarder so this is just <laughs> a little improvisation Scott would be better at this
1: I think this I mean this applies not this applies in so many different aspects and skills not just snowboarding like anyone the when, when you first start piano you're going to like suck at it and you're going to keep messing up over and over although can i add something yeah go for it uh,
2: if you if you can find something whatever it is that aligns in the technical uh, repetition process that gives you a better feeling this is perfect that's at the you- same time if this doesn't
1: occur that's no
2: reason to stop trying
1: right 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 no that's how you uh, learn to stop to stop <laughs> practicing exactly so like doing this causes me to fall on my ass. Okay. <laughs> going forward, I'm going to not do this and then I'm going to adjust. I take in the new information that that causes me to fall on my ass. I'm going to adjust to it. And then I'm going to try this and then whoa, that feels good. Okay. Here we go. Now we're cooking. And uh, and so forth. So we do this with our thoughts and 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 stuff like that. We play around with the thoughts and see um what is going to get rolling, get it rolling, get the process started? And we part.
0: start to see patterns. We start to see, uh, we start to develop wisdom in the sense of uh, leaning forward completely when I'm about to snowboard down the hill or leaning back too much, I'm going to fall on my ass. And so we develop wisdom when we feel the balance going off, when we lose our center of balance, as we uh, practice more and more. We see that we can lose our balance if that and we develop recognition for that. We see a pattern and with wisdom we decide not to do that. And it's the same with dukkha, right? If we're in the habit of social anxiety in certain social anxiety certain environments, we feel scared, we're critical of ourselves, we're judgmental of ourselves, Mm. then start one moment at a time seeing that pattern. Mm -hmm. Start watching yourself as you get off balance and watch yourself fall over and pick yourself off pick yourself up and start on down the hill again
1: and, and tweak it a little bit. Yes. Tweak it. Like, exactly. Tweak it. Um, That's so, a good point. So uh, I'll get to you, Robert, in a second. I just want to put uh, one more um, example. Another example of exactly what we're talking about is uh, coaching a sports team, any sport. So you may have the, the way that your team plays. This is our style and this is our strategy. And it's caused us, it's caused us success in the past. But then you're playing a new team, and this new team has a different strategy That's uh, it takes advantages of your weaknesses. And then uh, now you're losing this team, but then a, a stubborn coach will be like, no, just keep doing it. This is how we do it. Like Keep doing it like that, and they're going to lose. A smart coach will be like, oh, they're taking advantage of this weakness. We're going to bolster that we're going to adjust to their weaknesses and we're going to attack at those points. So they adjust to what they're in the real time. They they're looking at what's going on in real time, making the adjustments to what's going on. And that's what differentiates a successful coach who knows how to, um, uh, adjust to whatever team they're playing or adjust to whatever's happening rather than having a dead set way of how we do things. No, this is how I do it, and even if it doesn't work and it causes me suffering over and over again, that's that's just the way it is, and I can't change it. That's uh that's the mentality that kind of like just repeats the same karma over and over. Um, okay, Robert, what's your question? Yo, yeah,
2: appreciate it, guys. I'm gonna head back to the group now. I like that um, point you gave me, Scott, about realizing that it's not the um, it's not the
0: the the situation that's giving me the anxiety and the situation the problem that it's just the anxiety itself that's the problem right and that's, that's gonna I think that's gonna help me change my mindset so it's more like I'm okay in the situation I'm just tackling the anxiety and not like like worrying about the situation so much just worrying about how I feel you know my inner state and getting that sorted out first and foremost right,
1: right. that's that's the only way it'll work so have fun have fun thank you. I'll I'll take this for the test. Nice seeing you. Yeah, peace out, boys. Take care, man. Have a good one. Okay. Any uh, uh, other things you'd like to talk about? I think uh, going on the thread of... uh, That Duca
0: gets subtler and subtler, like you're saying. Yeah. That as we uh, develop strategies that work and that beat other teams there are going to be better teams or Mara is going to be getting more skilled um, or rather the strategies that we didn't see before start to become more apparent. The unwholesome patterns that we didn't see before we start to notice. Mm -hmm. It's subtler. And when we see that subtle Dukkha, it's about being able to see it and say, that's Dukkha rather than, Oh, I I don't suffer anymore and I'm done with Dukkha and uh because uh like you're saying that's the stubborn sports coach Mm -hmm. who thinks his strategy is perfect and he doesn't need to think anymore no this is about investigation constant investigation go ahead scott
1: right so i see this a lot in spiritual um circles is that no uh actually consciousness is permanent or it's or one or the other so like you'll get into all these uh ideologies and views about the way things are and, uh, and cling on to it um, as the way to nibbana or the way to the end of suffering. And uh, when it doesn't produce the results that you desire that you're satisfied with, um, you will still cling on. <laughs> if you're practicing incorrectly, you will still cling on to it, just like uh, uh, the, we can say the same thing with uh, beliefs and religious beliefs. Um, have you ever met someone um, who has a belief about things and when presented with a coherent logical argument about why it's wrong and it's all the evidence is put right in front of their face about why these are inconsistent beliefs why they don't (laughs) they don't match up to reality and uh there's no evidence for them and here's here's actually a logical reason why it's wrong and uh here's Here's the evidence that can be repeated why it's wrong, but they would be like, nope, I have faith, right? So the the um, the faith uh, we have in Buddhism is not really the same way most people think of faith as as a as a blind belief, right? Um, we don't have blind belief in that sense. We have um, experiential confirmation that this is the way. This is the way um, to the end of suffering. And this works. And I can do this. That's a more of a conviction about based off experiential knowledge or insight than it is about believing in something that doesn't produce the results or promises future results that you're never going to encounter um, right now. it's just magical thinking and superstition. And um, this is gonna go round and round in a circle. Piling up more and more and more instead of uh, letting things go away, fading out. Well, the the thing is like, instead of th- things happen the way that they have, like uh, phenomenologically, things are rising and passing away. It's just how, we um view and interpret things um which also arises and passes away that is going to cause us dukkha or not so it's not that um things will change like how things function the natural law the 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 ingrained the fundamental law of cause and effect and uh, dependent origination
2: Never. understand it. the second noble truth basically you understand the second noble truth that the the clinging to it the attachment is the problem
1: um yeah but you have that's not enough you have to understand how does clinging arise and not just on paper like you're memorizing it for, for a test. that's yeah. that's where the
2: question comes from. That's where the question for the most most people comes from. They uh, they try something and try something and try something it doesn't work. They are not able to see it because they're not advanced enough in their meditation. And so they, okay, they the the only thing they know is what they learned, and then this conditioning kicks in and they grasp for for delusions. That's uh, the natural dependent thing they do in this situation, so this is where you have to teach directly
1: into yeah, so a good teacher will tell this person um, it's kind of like instead of like a lot of spiritual teachers, you know it's a difference between giving a man a fish and uh, teaching him how to fish is the difference so. It, it it like same thing with education like if you're teaching someone how to learn rather than giving them new knowledge and information to store in their mind one is going to lead to a lot more benefit than the other so how how to teach someone is you teach them how to look stop and look at what you're doing this doesn't work continually over and over until you 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 understand how it works and you get good at it you don't teach They don't just teach you Oh, here's the here's the fruit. Oh, it's just like right away cuz I did the work and now I'm just going to give it to you and now you're dependent on me and I give it to you every time you're <laughs> That's the difference between a lot of uh um traditions without where it's like more heavily reliant on um some sort of magical guru as opposed to t- learning the Dhamma and uh um applying the Dhamma for yourself in your own experience. Um, Because the Dhamma is not, the Dhamma is, uh, is universally for everyone, like um, the Dhamma can be practiced for everyone, whether it's going to be understood, or people are going to want to practice it is a different question. But it's possible for anyone to practice the Dhamma and repeat the same methods and get the same results as anyone else if they are if they care enough to look and care enough to practice. Except know. the
2: spark, the spark is something where you really need someone who who can uh, inspire this in you. I mean, if I would just read the blog, block, for example, and stay in the things I learned before a few years, it wouldn't really it wouldn't really ignite the, mm-hmm. yeah. the eightfold Yeah, you path. make a
0: really good point uh, that when we're just reading things, uh, it's less likely that we get that slap in the face and actually understand things and someone to uh, set us straight beyond the pattern of what you were talking about, Veda, of uh, maybe getting a little taste or having hearing something that you like and then holding on to that because you're too scared to admit that you don't know, right? Hmm. And so, for example, bringing to have someone to bring you back to remind you that the practice is immediate, the practice is here and now, and the practice is independent of that old view or old thing that you like that you're holding on to.
2: If you're able to see it, most people right. just don't even see that. They they don't see what they are doing. They're doing it and they have the bad results. And then they are they are mean to themselves, but they don't. There isn't we, that clear thing. There isn't that sati. Oh,
0: there see. isn't that. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Scott.
1: Yeah, what you said about the spark is true, but it's true in the same way. Uh, for instance, um, how does someone learn math from the teacher? The first thing the teacher does is what is do the problem, walk them through it, step by step. And then so you're there for them doing it, and they do it they do it for you, so they walk you through here's Duka, and now I'll get you into a wholesome state, duka Eroda. I did it for you. that's like uh uh doing the math problem step by step and and you're and they're doing it for you, and you're learning that way, but then the progression is that okay, now go go do it on your own exactly. And, uh, <laughs> So now you do the examples, you fuck up the examples, you come back and you'd be like, why did I fuck up? And then you'd be like, oh, here's this, this and this that you fucked up. And then so you start to learn in, in this way until you um, start succeeding at your own examples. And uh, maybe there, maybe eventually you get stuck. And okay, now I'm stuck again. And uh, maybe, let, let me try to figure it out first on my own. So you put some genuine effort into figuring out first on your own instead of going crying to Papa Damarado, And you fit, you might figure it out. Oh, actually, I am not stuck anymore. I figured it out.
2: Or you really really. Way, yeah. or you're if really somebody can do this, wonderful. That's wonderful. a really good point. Or you're different really, really people, done. different learning styles. Or I'm sorry really to interrupt. I have to go. All right. uh, I wish you the best best Dharma uh, uh, conversation now. Till the next time.
1: Right. Have it's fun great guys. seeing
2: you Veda.
0: Bye.
1: Bye. Yeah, I was just gonna say, if you're uh, in response to Veda there, if you really, really are stuck, then you bring it to the teacher and hey, need some help on this. And uh, and then you can uh, you like, oh, actually, that that was pretty simple, and then you learn that way. Um, yeah. So. And this
0: connects with the idea of skill development that the feedback, right? That some people will read a book and read a book and read a book, and then they'll get to the practice problems and say oh I actually understand enough I don't even need to do the practice problems let me keep on reading but that's that we need to do the practice problems to actually develop the skill and we can lie to ourselves saying we understand it when we really don't the understanding comes from the trial and error the the experiential learning and this is the same with practice Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and uh And then once you finish once you get the problem right you complete the test you can go whoopee i did it my job is done i got an a plus and uh that's similar to the practice so you do the practice you succeed at the practice you congratulate yourself for succeeding at the practice and you feel even better and now you can just sit here and be satisfied uh, with nothing to do and nowhere to go because you're sitting on your uh, pile of dirt victoriously. Um, but you had to get on top of the pile. Of, you had to dig yourself out of the dirt and you had to get on top of it. And also people are throwing buckets of dirt on you and you have to wipe off that dirt until you're uh, really are on top of the pile of dirt. And you have to clean yourself off if more dirt gets on you, but then you can enjoy sitting, uh, as a champion victoriously. And, uh, you can relish it and uh celebrate it and uh soak it in and and really appreciate the magnitude and the scale of this achievement that uh goes beyond anything um this is a more impressive achievement uh than any materialistic achievement you can have because this goes this goes past uh uh past relative problems and solves the 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 big problem the only problem there really is is dukkha um, aside from that that's just dukkha and di- wearing different costumes is other problems so you solve dukkha you solve the biggest problem that there is and the only real problem behind all problems uh so yeah you've become you're just uh you know filtering things down to solving uh the main problem of it all and then uh you can enjoy yourself and uh celebrate um afterwards. And uh you can yeah, that's the beauty of it is like you can like not even teach the dot. you can become your own Buddha and like never talk about it again. Or you could teach it because uh it can help people and benefit people, but um either way it's it's a good thing. Um either way, no problem. Yeah, no problem. And 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 uh and uh uh yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. So like the 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 teachings of the Buddha has a profound depth to it, although on the outside it may seem like, oh, why are there all these lists and these numbers for things? But uh the applicational um benefits is um, beyond almost beyond the comprehension of um the ordinary capacity of uh, the mind, in the sense of like um, the discursive thought process. So um, a lot of spirituality will be like, oh, you go beyond the mind, and you have to go like, it's like unfathomable, like you're not going to understand it. Um, but you can understand it, you can deconstruct it, you can break things down. It's just you're not using the same skills that you're used to using. So you're not using um, you're not using the same method of thinking that you were before. But it still is a way of understanding and a way of seeing and a way of of deconstructing and a way of discerning. Uh, like you can
0: tell someone to balance on their snowboard. Right, But that telling, that pointing at the idea of balancing on their snowboard is nothing compared to the uh, physical uh, bodily experience of balancing on the snowboard.
1: Yeah, so like how in theory do you balance on a snowboard versus how it actually feels to do it? You can read
0: textbook after textbook on balancing on a snowboard and not actually learn experientially how to balance.
1: It's yeah, that's that's probably the simplest way to put it, and like the best way.
0: And uh, life is just an uh, endless mountain of snow, and we're snowing down it. And most people just fall down after time after time, and uh, they're not even looking, they're blindfolded practically. And maybe they just give up and they're lying on the ground in dukkha, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we have the opportunity to enjoy the ride and get up. And when we yeah. fall down, learn, yeah. learn, investigate. What did I do to yeah. miss my balance and yeah. get it, back it, up and enjoy it, the am ride? Am I
1: gonna lie down here and feel sorry for myself and scoot on my butt all the way down, or am I gonna try again? Oh shit, I fell on my ass. But that guy looks—he's having a lot of fun over there. Let me try it again. And uh, so you get good at riding down the mountain and you start to enjoy this thing called life. And uh, you can appreciate it and could realize that when I fall on my ass, um, uh, I, I have a choice to feel sorry for myself or I have a choice to um, look at what I'm doing and adjust to it.
0: And be curious. And, uh, how did I fall on my ass? Yeah, it, right. It must have been some delusion there. I want to see what that is and get back up and learn how to snowboard again.
1: Right, right, right. All right. So I think All that's right, a- this has been great. Yeah, it's been a great talk, man. I think a lot of good conversation came up. Um, uh, it was good to see you, and uh, uh, we we uh, we had some members arise and pass away. But I think the even, even like even two people here, uh, generates a lot of sati and a lot of good conversation, and uh, um, I I think a lot of people can benefit um, from. youtube video and so on in future generations they're going to be digging up this video from the hard drives Um, maybe some uh, alien civilization or something can learn the (laughs) dhamma from uh (laughs) deciphering what we're talking about so uh i'll leave it at that
0: all right this has been great yeah uh if you're in a future generation this probably isn't relevant to you but those of you who are in this generation Uh, There's a link in the description for our Discord and to join these song calls. All are welcome. All right. See you, Scott. See ya. Bye.